What's good everyone and welcome back to Kaya's Commentary and if you're new here, welcome to Kaya's Commentary Season 2 Finale. This is a podcast that offers commentary on pop culture topics, real world issues, anything in between, and maybe even some advice every now and then. Before we get down to it, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kaya R. Pennington, and you can follow Kaya's Commentary on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kaya's Commentary. Also, be sure to hit the follow slash subscribe button, and for my YouTube viewers, click the notification bell so you get notified when new videos drop. Now let's kick it into our first segment, informational and educational where I drop a fact that is informational and educational. So, and this certainly is not a new phenomenon, but um, how history can be taught has become very politicized and very restricted. So much so to the point that in a certain state, the teachers have to, they are legally required uh, to teach the benefits the enslaved people had um, or that they got from being enslaved. And I'm just here to tell you here and now that's not at all factually true. The enslaved did not benefit from being enslaved. The country the enslaved built benefited from them being enslaved. The enslaved people did not benefit from being enslaved. So let's get into what chattel slavery was and why it seems so radical to talk about and teach in its truth and its fullness. Before I get too far into it, although chattel slavery has been abolished, uh, slavery very much still exists in the modern day. Um, any type of forced sex work, although sex work is legitimate work when you were forced into that, any type of child labor, uh, sweatshop working, um, human trafficking, all of that is modern day slavery. But let's talk about chattel slavery that built the Americas as we know it today. I will be pulling my information from the New Jersey State Bar Foundation. What is chattel slavery and how did it dehumanize black people? I've highlighted a few quotes that I'm going to read from and then I will give my own. Um, it's an opinion, but I don't want to say it's a, uh, it's a factual opinion because factually these people just didn't benefit. So I'm going to give my own response to it. That might be a better way to say it. I'm going to give my own response to why the enslaved very much did not benefit from being enslaved. Let's get into it. The colonial system of slavery, which was practiced in all of the original 13 British colonies, is referred to as chattel slavery. In this system, enslaved people were the personal property of their owners for life, a source of labor or a commodity that could be willed, traded, or sold like livestock or furniture. Enslaved people were exploited as unpaid labor to build the British colonies and the new American nation. Enslaved labor cleared forests, raised bridges, and built ships and mansions, including the White House, and of course, so much more. Enslavers had complete control of the bodies and the lives of those they enslaved, as well as their children. Enslaved people could be bought and sold at any time for any reasons. Families were, therefore, often wretched apart as enslaved people were transferred to the highest bidder. Most enslaved people were trapped in bondage until they died. That's all I'm going to read from that. Uh, very much go read the rest of it. It's a short little article, but it pulls from... You couldn't see that because that's such a bright light. But it's a short little article and it pulls from a lot of people who have studied why slavery does not benefit the enslaved. So... Let's go ahead and give my response to it. Um, these people were kidnapped. They were taken from their homes, from their cultures, from their families, from their societies, and forced onto a very cramped ship. 
which real quick, I would highly recommend anyone to check out the uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture in DC. Start from the bottom and work your way up to the top and you very much get just a small sense of how cramped it was or it could have been on those ships. They were forced into these cramped ships with manacles on, clad the iron manacles, right? They were literally in bondage around their necks, around their hands, around their feet. They were very much not treated like human beings. And within this cramped ship, a lot of the people didn't make it, but what are you gonna do? Now, yes, yeah, sometimes uh, they would throw dead bodies uh, off the boat into the ocean. So you as another person would have to see that. Or a lot of times you would just have to see the rotting flesh and see and smell the rotting flesh of your neighbor, your friend, your family, anyone connected to you, or maybe even not even connected to you, but just someone else in your predicament, you would have to see and smell that rotting flesh. You would have to be beside it. A lot of times these people could not sit. It was so cramped. They couldn't hardly breathe. It was so cramped. I don't know where's the benefit in that. I don't know where's the benefit in being kidnapped from your home. Um, then they were brought to this land that they didn't understand, possibly a language that they did not speak that they did not understand, and they were forced to work for people without being paid, without fully understanding a lot of times. Um, they were they were whipped they were sexually assaulted they were beaten they were tortured if i could put pictures up i very much would but i very much feel like that would have my video taken down but i highly encourage you to go look in a world where it's all about question the government question the government which yeah you should be questioning the government on certain things um an entire race of people rather a good majority uh within that race and even some without with not in that race are telling you that this didn't benefit maybe you should question why the thought of someone saying they benefited from it has these other groups so hot maybe that's something to question um they worked in the fields long summer days y'all see how hot it is right now july is recorded to be the hottest month ever for the entire earth go out at noon and work in it just stand in it these people were picking cotton. I don't know if y'all know how easy it is to, or how hard it is to pick cotton. It's not an easy job. Like it's, there, there's like the rosebuds where you have thorns and it's it's not easy. You, you scrape your fingers up a lot. It's not easy. I don't know whether there's a benefit in that. I can't see a benefit in working in 100 degree heat. Can you see the benefit in that? And if they didn't produce enough cotton, if they didn't pick enough cotton or whatever type of work that they were doing by the end of the day, if they didn't meet that quota, they were whipped. They were assaulted. Where's the benefit in that? Someone tell me where's the benefit in that? And don't think housework had it easier. Because housework, especially if you were um, deemed attractive by your enslaver, you were probably nightly assaulted. Where's the benefit in that? And then you were probably abused by the mistress and uh, the master, I hate to say that word, but for that assault, like it was your fault. Where's the benefit in that? Again, I just, 
to drive the point so far home, pictures are needed and I just can't. And a lot of, I'm sure some people would dismiss it as AI. Oh, so now you afraid of AI? But like, no, go pick up a history book printed before AI got really big like this. I mean, AI has always been a thing, but like go before like the art of really spoofing uh, photos. Go pick up a history book. Legit. This is not deep faking. These are real photos. These people had bricks put on there. They were hogtied and had bricks put on their back. You you ever you ever picked up a brick and you just you walk it from one place to another? Imagine that weighing down on your back as a form of torture. Imagine getting your and like imagine getting your feet cut off because you tried to run away to freedom. Imagine getting assaulted, getting sexually assaulted because your enslaver had to prove that he was the top man. Where's the benefit in this? What benefit? And so assuming that they are talking about the quote unquote skills that they learn, like blacksmith and, and all of that, picking cotton and all of that, or being quote unquote civilized, being brought into a civilized uh, society, any type of th- any type of society that treats another human being like that is very much not a civilized society. One, two, that's under the assumption that their society was uncivilized, quote unquote. Just because you don't understand something does not make it uncivilized. These people had their own way of doing things. Maybe they got those quote-unquote skills by their own way of doing things and probably could have done them better than you ever could. Just because you don't understand something does not make it uncivilized. Where are the benefits that you were talking about? Hmm? Getting ripped away from your family. Now, a lot of people um, are coming to realize that a lot of their family ain't worth crap. And you know what? That's good for you. Realize the toxicity in your family. But for the ones that didn't have toxic families, um, the ones who grew up in loving households, I want you to imagine what it would be like to be ripped away from your mother, your sister, your brother, your uncle, cousin, whatever, um, with the thought of never seeing them again. With the thought of being forced to work without pay. Now, I know we work on minimum wage. Imagine getting nothing at all for the work that you put in at the end of the day. Where is the benefit? What benefit are you talking about? There is no benefit. The enslaved did not benefit from being enslaved, from being treated like cows and animals. They, they did not very much did not benefit from that. I don't know where you're pulling your information from, except out of your ass. Like, there, <laughs> there is no benefit, not for the enslaved. Slavery benefited America, the nation that we would come to know as America, only for the enslaved to not have any type of right to it and for their descendants to not have nearly any type of rights to the land that their ancestors built. It very much did not benefit the enslaved. Being treated like furniture, like you could be sold at any moment, 
running away, risking it all to run away to freedom, to not be treated and whipped daily, getting caught, dragged back, standing up for yourself and, and creating a rebellion and getting caught and having the most gruesome things done to your body, having your skin being turned into furniture pieces, there is no benefit. Slavery did not benefit the enslaved. Slavery benefited the enslaver. Slavery benefited the America that we come to know. Only for the enslaved to not have any type of entitlement to the fruits of their labor and for their descendants to just barely have any type of entitlement to it. Slavery did not benefit the enslaved. A blacksmith, um, a farmer, if you want to call that farming, all of that stuff, they very much could and probably were doing in their own cultures and their own societies. But because you didn't understand it, which makes you the dumbass, not them, uh, you simply thought it was uncivilized. Treating someone that degrading is never a civilized society. There were no benefits to being enslaved for the enslaving. Like, th there, were, there were no benefits. I implore you, I implore you to do your research. Do not blindly follow this. Do not, you have an entire race, and if not an entire race, a good chunk, a good majority within that race, and even some out of it telling you it did not benefit the enslaved. I implore you to question why that sentiment would have these people so hot. I implore you to look up the true facts. .org, .net, um, .edu, and occasionally you can find some good uh, .coms. Trustworthy sites, I implore you, look it up. Slavery did not benefit the enslaved. It benefited the enslaver. And the nation that would, be, that would become to known as America. And they had no entitlement to it. And we barely have any type of entitlement to it. I implore you, look up why. Why that thought would even have them half as pressed as it, as it has us. A lot of people are saying this. Well, why do they feel that way? I implore you. If you just an iotum of, of common sense, look it up. Slavery did not benefit the enslaved. With that, let's kick it into a lighter topic, um, book aggravations, where I give my commentary on a book aggravation that I have. Today's topic, third-person POVs. I cannot... I cannot stand third-person POVs, and it's kind of ironic given the book that I'm going to talk about, which is very much a third-person POV, and I've read some great third-person POVs, but for the most part, I don't, I can't really get into, like, third-person POVs. Again, I've read some good ones, but a lot of the times, and I'm fine with it if it's in, a, like, a prologue, but once we get into the story of it, now, yes, you as the author are already kind of telling me how the character thinks and how they're feeling. But in third-person POVs, to me, it's much more... You, you are just literally telling me 
how the character feels. Like I'm not in the character's head like I would be if it was in like a first person point of view. Um, I'm just not in their head like that. Like you're just telling me, even if you use all this flowery language, you're really kind of just telling me. I want to be in the character's head. I I cannot. It just. I am so okay with uh, third person POVs if it's like a prologue that introduces something. Um, or like a chapter where it's like a stalking type thing. Not necessarily stalking, but like, you know, someone else is watching, but we don't know who yet and it's going to be this big reveal. But for the most part, I cannot. <laughs> I hate third person POVs. I've read some good ones. But for the most part, it's just not my thing. I, for the life of me, cannot understand why people write an entire novel in third-person POV. Now, scripts are different, but, uh, like, a novel, a book, I cannot fathom why you would write an entire book in third-person POV. And I'm sure a lot of people have very good reasons, but for me, like, I need to be in the character's head, and I'm not if it's in third-person POV. But that's just a little book aggravation that I have. I dislike not intensely because i have read some good ones including the one i'm about to talk about um have read some good third person povs but for the most part i dislike third person povs and i can't understand why someone would put their novel in a third person pov with that let's kick it into our third segment what you're reading where i give my commentary on a book i've read today's book the gilda stories by jules gomez that's kind of bright, but I hope you guys can see that. Um, so I read this in my Afrofuturism class. I highly implore a lot of people to take an Afrofuturism course if they have it offered at their university or any type of schooling. Um, it's very educational. <laughs> Let's get into it. This is very much an other um, type story. So when you get into Afrofuturism, a lot of the time it's science fiction that surrounds the black experience and how a lot of times especially using technology and how it we are the others right we are not deemed as the majority we are an other group so this is very much an other story um and it is about a black lesbian vampire that sounds awesome doesn't it let's get into it so and i'll be looking to the side because i have my notes right here so it starts with a young runaway enslaved girl and she remains nameless for about up until two chapters um so she's running away from a plantation and she's caught by a hunter um and she's almost assaulted mind you this girl is like seven or eight uh, she's almost assaulted, which is another thing. Yeah, age didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Age didn't matter. Harriet Jacobs and Sentence in the Life of a Slave Girl. Go check that out, too. That's an autobiography. Age didn't matter. Uh, so she's almost caught and assaulted, but she has a knife with her, and she stabs her would-be assailant, her would-be catcher, and he dies on top of her, and so she kind of, like, crawls out from under him, and it's very much just, like, hiding she's afraid she's scared um morning comes and she is found by gilda so gilda is a white woman she runs a brothel she finds the unnamed girl and she's like well what are you doing here she quickly realizes what's happening and she's like okay let me let me take you let me take care of you but the girl is like i don't know you i don't trust you so 
Gilda telepathically, because that's something vampires can do in this novel. They can telepathically communicate. She telepathically calms the girl, and then she takes her to her place of business, the brothel, where we also are introduced to Bird, who is an indigenous vampire uh, of the Lakota people. I don't know if I said that right. Also, chapter one starts in Louisiana, 1850. Uh, this has eight chapters. It's it's not a thick book. It's not a thick book, but um, the chapters are long, but it has eight chapters and it very much reads like a personal journal and a third person POV. Um, so it starts in Louisiana, 1850. We meet Bird, an indigenous woman of the Lakota people also a vampire and she and Gilda take the girl underneath their wing they start educating her they quickly see that there's something about her that just makes them want to care for her more than they care for their other girls because uh, they do run a brothel so although they very much do care and protect their other girls this girl is different um so they teach her and they she grows up with them being her mentors uh, real quick, the vampire lore in the story, they fear water more than they fear uh, the sun. I believe when you take the true death, you're drowning. It's, it's something about the water. I never quite fully caught on, but it's something about the water. Uh, Gilda and Bird are lovers. Um, and so there's a thing that plays into it that I don't fully know how to read into, but I will come back to that. Um, the blood sharing process gets very intimate when they um, do it, but it's somewhat the same. You drink their blood, they drink yours. Um, or rather, they drink your blood and then you drink theirs, and then you go out and feed. And that completes the turning process. Uh, when feeding, they read their donors, I'm going to call them donors, not victims, because they read their donors' thoughts and they find the happiest one so that when they feed, the donor is thinking of their happiest memory. And when they are done feeding, they leave them with that feeling, that happy feel feeling. Unless they want them to suffer, because then that becomes a victim. Because you do have vampires out there in the story that feed for the sense of terror. Um... So Gilda ends up turning the girl when she comes of age and she passes on her namesake to her. So our main character is now Gilda and the former Gilda, Gilda takes the true death, meaning she goes off to drown. Um, so Gilda, our now main character Gilda, has to be taught by Bird to feed. Now Bird is furious because she and the OG Gilda were lovers and while Gilda very much was talking about how she was tired of life she's lived for 300 plus years Bird didn't really want to hear it and so she's like no we have so much to live for no we're not gonna you're not gonna leave me but Gilda takes the true death anyway Bird becomes furious and so she has a decision to make because the our main character Gilda is now laying on the floor after the uh, feeding process she's laying on the floor she's weak she needs to feed or she's gonna die and so Gilda or not Gilda Bird has a choice to make and she end up she ends up uh, allowing her to live she takes her out and feeds and teaches her the ways and that's pretty much chapter one chapter two is Yerba Buena I don't know how to pronounce that Y-E-R-B-A-B-U-E-N-A 1890 
So we meet Sorel. He's a vamp friend and an owner of a club and his servant and also vamp friend, Anthony. Now, Bird has left Gilda and began traveling. Um, she needed to get away to process the OG Gilda's death. She doesn't necessarily blame our main character Gilda for it, but she also is like, I have to deal with that. I have to process this, which is very much fair. But the amount of time that she leaves our main character Gilda kind of aggravated me because it's like she's very much still time has passed since she left but it's like she very much is by herself and you're by yourself and I very much get that you need time to process but she left her and she doesn't come back till chapter four which is another huge time jump which I'll get into so Bird has left and she's gone traveling back to her people even though our main character Gilda is like shouldn't are your people be dead? You know, this is post-Civil War, I believe. And so it's like, well, shouldn't they be dead, you know? And then a lot of them kind of like excommunicated you, like, and Bird is like, well, I have to go find them. There are always our people. I need to go back and get in touch with my ways. So she leaves. And Gilda, our main character Gilda, begins traveling, trying to find her place in the world. So... We meet, um, we also meet Eleanor. Now she is a manipulative vamp and um, she was turned by Sorel, I believe. And she has a lover, Samuel, who she also turned. And so Gilda does have a rendezvous with Eleanor. She becomes so entrapped by her, but it, so it takes her a while to realize that, oh, you really manipulative. So Gilda and Samuel get into it a lot, so much so to the point that Gilda is about to kill Samuel. And she only stops because she see how Eleanor is encouraging that. She's like, yeah, kill him, kill him. And so she's like, yo, I don't want to be this person. And you high key manipulative. You got a lot of growth to do. Otherwise, you are going to be a very destructive vampire. And so Gilda leaves. So that's chapter two. Chapter three is Rosebud, Missouri, 1921. We meet Arula, which is, she's a friendly to Gilda. She's like a church lady. Gilda is also a church lady. Now she assumes different covers, of course, right? And this is a quote from the book that I really like. Uh, to blacks, she, Gilda, was an eccentric who was, they conjectured, overtly affected by the death of her husband. Whites thought her much too bold, um, writes Arula. Rather, that's not what Arula writes. That's, um, I'll come back to that. But that quote is very much, it's a theme. It's very much a theme that just shows how much of an other Gilda very much still is. Um, she takes different covers. So the cover now is that she's a widower. Um, and she buys some land, which the white people are like, hesitant to sell to her because they're like mm, you too bold you need to like learn your place and black people are very much like well she's eccentric she's a loner um she bought all this land she's doing her own thing she's cool and that's very much her uh she feeds when she needs to and she makes it pleasant for the most part now she does come across two people that um i think she kills one and just severely injures the other she might actually kill both of them um they were being like racist to her or something along the lines and she ends up like very viciously not viciously but she doesn't leave them with a happy memory as she feeds um but for the most part 
she's a loner and she does write Arula um when she decides to move away she is wandering from town to town so when she decides to move she says I will continue to write her so she has a friend in Arula but she's very much still on her own chapter four is South End 1955 uh she's a beautician in Boston now we have Tonya, which is an abused girlfriend slash, um, what's the word? Not a prostitute, but prostitute. <laughs> and she's trying to run away from her pimp slash boyfriend, who is very abusive. And Gilda and others help her. Bird also returns to help. Now, this is 1955. Bird left in, like, 1890. And she just comes back. Like, mm. I personally, it's like, I get it. I get why you would have to get away and why you would have to go be in touch with your people. But at the same time, you haven't been writing me. Gilda doesn't really try to communicate telepathically. She tries to feel for Bird and she just barely feels Bird. And it's like, I would be a little taken aback. I wouldn't know how to take it. And Gilda is taken aback, but she thinks that Bird has come to like, kill her she's like have you forgiven me and bird is very much like well i don't need to forgive you because there was nothing to forgive in the first place and then they have a blood sharing process and this is why i'm very much confused this is the thing that kind of makes me question um bird and the og gilda were very much our main character gilda's uh mentors but it also kind of went into like a motherly affection and the the blood sharing process is very intimate. They feed from each other's breasts. They um, get a little intimate with each other's breasts. Um, and it's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take this, especially with the way uh, Gomez kind of interchanges like familiar words and intimate words. And it's like, I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to take that. So it's an intimate blood sharing process. That's the only way I can like process that and just like, it is what it is. Not, no questions. No questions. Um, that's really kind of chapter, what is this, chapter um, four. They end up helping Tanya get away. Um, either the pimp or his right-hand man, Fox, I believe, one of them were vampires. And so uh, they had to take down a vampire without letting Toya and the other human beauticians realize what was going on. Um, chapter five, we're off Broadway, 1971. Bird has left again. Uh, we meet Julius, who has a crush on Gilda, and they're working on a play together. Gilda doesn't fully return his affections, but she does trust and care for him enough to offer him a new life. And so she offers him a new life. And Bird telepathically reaches out to her because she feels it, and she's like, well, we finally delivered a brother for me to have. Meaning... Julius is now a vampire. Chapter 6, Down by the Riverside, 1981, we meet Effie, who also has a crush on Gilda. Uh, Gilda's doing more singing work now. Um, and she also becomes a part of Gilda's family. But Gilda doesn't have to turn Effie as Effie is already a vampire. And Gilda didn't pick up on it at first. And she was like, hmm. I, she was also kind of like infatuated is not the word I want to use but we'll say infatuated with Effie but she's like okay she's kind of young she's kind of naive and Effie's like yeah I know you think I'm young I know you think I'm naive but and then she telepathically communicates with her and is like actually and I could sense that's what you were too so she becomes a part of the family chapter seven um 
Hampton Falls, New Hampshire, uh, 2020. Gilda is an author fighting to keep her anonymity. She's a romance author, best-selling romance author, fiction, paranormal romance author, and she's trying to keep her anonymity as people are trying to figure out who she is. She uses an alias, and she's people are trying to figure it out. So if they figure her out, that could very much bring heat down on her vamp vampire, her vamp family right and of course her is a vampire so it gets a little tricky here and we have uh, Nadine who is Arula's great-granddaughter and she writes to Arula uh, uh, Nadine um, because it makes her feel close Arula very much is dead and gone right and then we have chapter 8 Land of Enchantment 2050 so vampires exist now people are aware and so therefore you have vampire hunters and it's very much apocalyptic so Gilda and her family try to hide from society and the hunters and Gilda questions if she should take the true death but Verd has to telepathically communicate with her and be like no we have so much we spent so much time apart whose fault is that bird we spent so much time apart we have so much left to discover together it's not your time my little one um and that's really kind of how the novel ends and it it ends on a note that's like there's more to come but it's also like the final words of the novel i believe is like gilda no longer feels the need to run she feels safe and so it's a very interesting read. I would give it a 10 out of 10. Highly recommend it. And I will honestly not, I, I try so hard to, when I read a book, be like, okay, this doesn't really need a, um, a live action make. But I would be very much interested to see how this would play out if it ever got like a TV show, maybe an eight part miniseries. I would be very interested to see how this plays out. Very interesting. I would highly recommend it. Um, my only thing about it is the the what truly is the um connection with bird og gilda and gilda our main character gilda like is it motherly is it like family like is it i don't know i think the best thing is to just not question it um especially uh gomez is her use of familiar words and then like also intimate words and their bonding uh their feeding process it's like the feeding process is intimate anyway, but with them, it's more so. And so I just find it best not to question that. But it's truly an interesting read. I would give it, honestly, a 10 out of 10. Highly recommend reading it. Check it out. Very interesting. With that, let's kick it into our last segment, College Advice from a College Graduate, where I, as a college graduate, offer a hopefully helpful piece of college advice. Um... I want to say here and now that college is uh, experimental. <laughs> what works for you works for you. So if you have to experiment, by all means, do that. This is something that helped me and I hope it helps someone else out there. And this is honestly probably the most important piece of college advice I can offer somebody, which is to know when college is or is not for you. Um, personally, I knew that if I didn't go to college right out of high school, I wasn't gonna go. I was gonna get lazy and I was gonna come up with some excuses and I just wasn't gonna go. So I went right after uh, high school because I knew I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna go if I, if I didn't go right now. Um, not that you have to have your mind completely made up. You can go undecided. You can have a minor or a major and then change it. Um, know some type of sense of where you wanna be, but like you can have minors and change it, but like, 
personally, college is very expensive, which very much sucks. Um, you need to know for sure whether you want to go or not. Like, whether you want to spend that money, especially if you did not get a full ride and you have to rely on scholarships and loans that you are going to have to pay back. You need to know for sure if you want to go now, if you want to go later, if you want to go. That's something you don't let anyone pressure you into going to college. Now, personally, I believe everyone should have some form of higher education outside of like high school because uh, that's where you get a lot of good learning. Um, take some history courses and hope you get some good history teachers that will teach you the actual way history happened. And if you have any questioning of it, do your research org edu.net maybe and some good.coms um but very much you need to know whether you want to go or not don't let anyone pressure you into it if you're feeling like it's not for you that's okay i would highly recommend to do some research to get some higher education on just certain things again a lot of people are questioning or have outrage about uh someone saying that and that slavery benefited the enslaved why is that do your research um if you're not going to go to college and if you're going to go to college take these classes that will hopefully tell you and if you have any questionings do your research this is probably the most important thing that i can give you as a college graduate college advice the loans the the especially if you didn't get a full ride paying that back is going to suck be sure you want to go Maybe not now, maybe you want to wait a year, but as long as you like want to go. Um, and in a year, if you still do, great. And if you decide, well, no harm, no foul, because you ain't spend no money, <laughs> be sure. That is like, you can get there and go undecided and uh, change your minor a time or two. I would say know what region, what area you want your minor to be in at least, or major to be in at least, but uh you can change it a few times but what you certainly you need to have a clear a clarity on a certainty on is whether or not you actually want to go whether you want to go now whether you want to go later whether you don't want to go at all because college is very much expensive and if you know you don't want to go but you let somebody pressure you into that debt People say college is a scam. Um, I don't think it's a scam. I think you learn a lot of great things in college, especially depending on the courses you take. But also, it is very much expensive. And the expenses can be a scam, but like, you know. Um, you need to know whether or not for sure you want to go. Uh, that's just me. That's um, a hopefully helpful tad bit of college advice from a college graduate. And that's Kaya's Commentary Season 2 Finale. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you like this episode, do please like this episode. Give it a thumbs up. Hit the follow slash subscribe button. Let me know any of your thoughts, comments, uh, and any of the segments that I had in the comments down below. Do you agree? Disagree? Let me know why. Be respectful. And honestly, if you disagree on my first segment, I will have none of it. I don't care. Uh, but certainly be respectful. Um, and let me know your thoughts and opinions. Thank you for making it with me this far. And I hope to come back and do a season three because this is actually really fun. And I am ever proud of myself for continuing to do this by myself. Um, this started because I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't want to do it by myself. And that's how it ended up happening. And it's honestly 
really fun. Um, so I am proud of myself and I would like to come back with a season three. We'll see depending on my schedule as I get more and more into my career and my work. Um, we'll see. But thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you next time.